y'all who don't know me, I am Julie Richard, and I am so excited that I get to share with you on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the house and watching online. We love to celebrate. Um, but you know what? We celebrate more than moms today. We celebrate anybody who is committed to raising up the next generation. And so maybe you're a mom with kids in your home, but maybe you're a teacher and you're raising up the next generation or a coach or a leader or an employer, but we all embrace the responsibility to teach and train, direct and correct this next generation. What a privilege, what an opportunity, what a responsibility. And as we celebrate today, I also know that, you know what, Mother's Day is not necessarily a celebration for everyone. There are some people who maybe you lost your mom or you've lost a child. Maybe you have a strained relationship with your mom or a strained relationship with your child. Or maybe you still long to be a mom and you're not one yet. We want you to know that we see you, we love you, God sees you, he hears your prayers, he loves you, there is no pain too great, no pit too deep that is beyond his love and beyond his reach. And so we want you to know that we stand with you and we stand for you. Um, I would love, though, to pray before I get started, because for those of y'all who don't know me, I have a little bit of an attention problem. So we are going to pray for some divine intervention, so I remain focused for this entire session. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, God, for your church. I thank you for the fact that we can gather together to worship and that we can reach out and join one another online. Right now, God, I ask that you do something only you can do. Settle our hearts and minds and open our eyes and ears so that we can see and hear what you want us to learn today. Take these words that I've prepared and the words from your word and touch every heart listening. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Now, when I was in second grade, I had a substitute teacher named Mrs. Smith. And Miss Smith was actually a friend of my mom's. And I remember she taught math. And I remember going to her and telling Miss Smith that I had a headache. And she actually, it was a long-term sub, so she had been teaching for many days in a row. And she put together that I had actually, not only did I have a headache, but she noticed that I'd been writing down some math problems incorrectly. This was back in the day when the teacher wrote math problems on a chalkboard with chalk, guys. Yes, and we actually used phones that were attached to the wall also. But she would write down the problems, and I was writing them down wrong. And she noticed that I was writing some problems down and that I was having headaches. And so she said to me, Julie, I think you need to ask your mom to take you to the eye doctor. And so I went home. I told my mom what Miss Smith said, and Miss Smith took me to go see Dr. Russell. And I went to the eye doctor, and I remember Dr. Russell telling my mom, yes, Julie needs glasses. And I remember trying them on and picking my pair. I know Whitney told y'all last week about her first pair of glasses, but I want you guys to know that my first pair, they were Flintstones glasses. Yeah, they were Flintstones. I remember them vividly. And so I remember going back to pick up my glasses, and we walked into the doctor's office because it was like attached where you picked up you know, your glasses. 
But what I remember most is walking out of the doctor's office. I can see myself stepping into the parking lot and looking across the street. And I said, Mom, Mom, the trees, the trees have leaves. And at which point my mom felt like the worst mom in the world because she recognized at that moment that my vision was much poorer than she realized. And, and she had waited a while until she noticed. And actually, she wasn't the one who noticed. Miss Smith did. Cue the mom guilt. But mom, if you're watching, I want you to know that I'm okay. I've recovered. And it was much more traumatic than for you than it was for me. But I want you to know, guys, that for some unknown reason, I still have my glasses. I mean, those of y'all who don't know me, you, you have no idea. I lose everything, like everything. And I have kept up with my Flintstones glasses for 45 years. <laughs> 45 years. I don't, it really has nothing to do with the message, but I brought it because I couldn't believe that I still have them. But the fact of the matter is, when I stepped into that parking lot after getting my glasses, you know, the trees didn't change. The parking lot didn't change. The leaves were there when I walked in. But when I walked out, I saw them through new lens. And so because of the lens through which I was seeing now, trees didn't change, parking lot didn't change, leaves didn't change, but I saw them differently. I saw them differently because of the lens through which I was looking. You know, oftentimes we aren't happy in our situation and we want the things around us to change. And sometimes maybe, just maybe, it's not the situation that needs to change, or maybe we can't change the situation, but perhaps we can look at the situation, look at the circumstance through a new lens. Last week, Whitney talked about um, Saul, who became Paul. I've taught this story so many times in LHC Kids, guys, and when we teach it in LHC Kids, it's easy for us to remember that Saul became Paul because we do it like this. Saul became Paul after his encounter with Jesus. And so this is what happened. Saul was walking to Damascus and actually Saul was um, an opponent of Jesus and the way he, he um, actually was headed to Damascus to arrest those who were following Jesus, to, to um, capture them and to arrest them. And on the way, he saw a bright light. He was blinded and that Jesus spoke to him and said, I'm Jesus, and you, this, I now, you will have to go on to Damascus. We know that he didn't eat for several days, but we also know that God then spoke to a man named Ananias, and even though Saul was blind, that he told Ananias, Ananias, go find Saul. Yes, that's Saul. Yes, that's Saul who is trying to arrest you. Go find him. Trust me and obey. Go find him and put your hands on his eyes and you will heal him. So Ananias did it. Now, when we teach in LHC kids, we remember Ananias because we say, Andy's nice. And so Andy's nice. And everybody say, Ananias work, guys. Good work. Y'all are almost as good as LHC kids. So he goes and he touched them. And the Bible says literally that at that moment, scales fell from Saul's eyes. Scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. But if you continue reading, you see that not only could Saul see again, he now saw everything differently. The world around him had not changed, but the lens through which he saw it did. 
And so what was at one point what he considered a threat to the Jewish way was now the hope for his people. The people that he considered the enemy, they were now, he calls them his brothers and sisters. Again, it wasn't so much that the world changed. The world did not change, but the way he saw it did. The lens through which that encounter with Jesus was so pivotal, was so monumental in his life that his name actually changed. Saul became, everybody say it with me, Paul. That's right. You have to say that one with a smile on your face, okay? We're going to try it again. Saul became Paul. Good work, good work. Again, it wasn't that the world around him changed. It's the way he saw it that changed. That's what we call a shift in perspective. Changing your perspective. That's what I said earlier. Sometimes it's not necessarily the situation that needs to change. Or maybe the situation is something you have no control over. But you can make a significant impact just by changing the way you look at it. Let's look at the definition of perspective. The definition of perspective, because that's what we're going to talk about today. Perspective, how you look at something. Your viewpoint, both literal and figurative, both practically speaking and philosophically speaking. When we talk about perspective, it is typically involves a change in position. So I'm standing here and my perspective, now I look at the podium from this way. That is a physical change. Or if I come over here, my perspective changes because I have changed my position. The same thing is true figuratively and philosophically. Sometimes we have to shift our thinking. We have to change our perspective. We have to change our figurative position because perspective changes everything even when nothing changes. Perspective changes everything even when nothing changes. As I mentioned before, when I walked out of the eye doctor, the trees were the same as when I'd walked in. The leaves were the same. Everything, nothing had changed except the way I looked at the trees, they were now clearer. They were now more vivid. Saul, who became, say it with me, Paul. Good job. You're still listening. Saul, who became Paul, his situation didn't change. The, the Jesus followers and Jesus' message did not change, but the way he looked at it changed. His perspective changed. Actually, if you continue to read in the New Testament, you see that when Saul was after Jesus' followers, he was, I mean, he, he was intense. He was a serious threat, which is why Ananias was afraid. But when he changed his perspective after his encounter with Jesus, he carried his personality. He still had the same intensity, the same passion, but now he was passionate about promoting the cause of Jesus. He was passionate about sharing the truth of Jesus with everyone. And it was the encounter with Jesus that changed his perspective because perspective changes everything even when nothing matters because perspective is how you look at something. It is your viewpoint. And how you look at it changes how you feel about it and how you feel about it changes how you deal with it. That's the connection. It's your thoughts, your feelings, and your behavior. A little cognitive behavioral therapy for those of you listening at home. So it is how you look at it changes how you feel about it. How you feel about it changes how you deal with it. That's why it is so important to be intentional about perspective because perspective changes everything even when nothing changes. 
I lead a ministry called Fearless Mom. And Fearless Mom started, whoop, whoop, I got a cheer. That's right, I got some Fearless Moms out there. Um, Fearless Mom started as a ministry here at Lake Hills Church where we teach biblical, practical um, parenting and particularly to moms. And we are all about laughing along the way. But we work very hard. We recognize mom's already long to-do list. And we say that when you consider the task of motherhood, the responsibility of motherhood, the appropriate response is to throw up in your mouth a little bit. That's right. That's what you're supposed to do because it is overwhelming. So moms are already overwhelmed. And so what we try to do, we say we don't want to add to your to-do list. We just want to help you be intentional with what you're already doing. What we really work to do is give information and solid footing for a mom to just change her perspective to shift her thinking, because when you change your thinking, you change how you look at it, changes how you feel about it, changes how you deal with it. And so what we teach is a fearless mom perspective. The reality is a fearless mom perspective is not just about parenting. A fearless mom perspective is not just about motherhood, but it is Mother's Day, and I do lead fearless mom, and so we're gonna continue to call it a fearless mom perspective. But if you're not a mom, that's okay. You just take out the mom part and you say, the, you can embrace a fearless perspective, but I will continue. It is Mother's Day and we're going to celebrate all day, ladies. And so we're going to call it a fearless mom perspective. Now, it's important before we ever begin that I give you a little bit of fearless mom insight and stuff that we teach in there. And we, we throw a lot of um, uh, psychology, sociology. I love to look at research and science and studies and then filter it through scripture. And so one of the important things that we teach in fearless mom with a fearless mom perspective is that perspective is a choice. Perspective changes everything even when nothing changes. But it's important to know perspective is a choice. And we call that having an internal locus of control. An internal locus of control. Locus is not the T, not the one with the T like the bug, okay? It has nothing to do with the bug locus. Internal locus of control means the position or the placement of control. So, Someone with an internal locus of control believes that they are responsible and in control of their own success and happiness and future. Does that make sense? Internal locus of control, you can remember it. Internal is I. I believe that I choose how I live my life. I choose, I may not choose my circumstance, but I sure as heck choose how I approach or respond to it. So I, internal locus of control. Research shows that those people who live life with an internal locus of control are actually healthier, they make better choices, and they feel more fulfilled as opposed to an external locus of control. Easy to remember because X means we do not want it. An external locus of control. Someone who lives life with an external locus of control believes that their fate, their future, their happiness, their success is in someone else's hands. You know what we call that? A victim mentality, and ain't nobody got time for that. A, that ex, external locus of control because that means that life happens to me, that your decisions greatly affect me so much so that I can't do anything about it. 
And guess what research shows about an external locus of control? Studies show, a longitudinal study that actually studied um, young people over decades showed that as people, as generations moved from internal to external locus of control, so did the rise in anxiety and depression. It makes sense if you think about it. Because external locus of control says, I am a victim. There's nothing I can do about my situation. And I'm at the mercy of everyone else. Whereas an internal locus of control says, you know what? This situation stinks. And I see it. And I didn't choose this circumstance. And I didn't choose to be where I am. But guess what? I'm going to use it. I'm going to now choose how I respond to it. Can you see what a difference it makes? An internal locus of control, I get to choose. I get to choose. That's how I remember internal. Gosh, you guys, in LHC Kids, we do pinkies up a lot in there. And so I is internal locus of control. It's important to remember perspective changes everything, even when nothing changes. And perspective is a choice. It is a choice. Now, what is a fearless mom perspective? We've got four pillars of a fearless mom perspective. And that is, number one, biblical. A fearless mom perspective is biblical. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's what God, God's word does. It shows us what we're really thinking, what we're really feeling, and directs us in how we should respond to those thoughts and feelings. You see, a biblical perspective says, when the world around me is changing, I stand on what I know to be real and true. And that is God's word. That is a biblical perspective. It says, this I know is unchanging and always relevant. And therefore, I will stand firm. So I will look at this situation from a biblical perspective. This person from a biblical perspective. Everything changes when you say, I will choose a biblical perspective. Because you see a bad circumstance differently. Instead of just an obstacle, if I choose a biblical perspective, I look at that obstacle and I see opportunity. I'm not gonna minimize the obstacle. The obstacle's still, still there. But I look at it and I choose grit and I choose tenacity and I see it as an opportunity. Same thing with hurt. When I have a biblical perspective, doesn't minimize the hurt, doesn't take away the loss, but I look at it differently and I know because I know God and I know Jesus that he will show me hope in this hurt. I don't minimize the hurt. I don't minimize the loss. But I look at it differently with my gospel lens, with my biblical lens, my biblical perspective. Same with disappointment. Same with pain. I see opportunity in the obstacle. I see hope in the hurt. And I see purpose in the pain all when I choose a biblical perspective. Again, you're not minimizing the pain, you're not minimizing the loss, not minimizing the disappointment. You acknowledge the cloud before you see the silver lining. We don't minimize it or run from it. We're not afraid of it. We see it, we name it, and then we say, but I know God and I know he will use it for his glory and my good. 
because I know that the word of God stands true no matter what. Second pillar, joyful. It's a biblical perspective, this fearless mom perspective, and it is a joyful perspective. And sometimes when you're parenting, you're like, oh, I'm going to be joyful today. Give me a snack. <laughs> joyful. John 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. I said this in the first service, but where I come from, steal and kill rhyme. <laughs> I realize that may not be the case for you, but... When I say it, it rhymes. That thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, Jesus says, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Another version says, an abundant life. Jesus comes that we, come, came that we may have life and have it to the full, an overflowing life. That is God's design and desire for me and for you. We recognize it. We say, I know God's word is true, and I know that the enemy is trying to steal, steal my hope, steal my peace, steal my joy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, an abundant life, an overflowing life, a satisfying life. Now, if I remember my internal locus of control, I recognize this is God's design and desire, and when I'm not experiencing life to the full, I do something about it. Remember, God's word says it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And so when I see it, when I see, oh, I'm, I'm not living life to the full. I'm not myself. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with a lot of anxiety. I'm struggling with a lot of depression so much so that it's interfering with my relationships and it's interfering with my daily life. And I know Jesus, his, his plan is for me to live a rich, satisfying life. I do something about it. I embrace the responsibility for my emotional health, my financial health, my physical health, my relational health, my professional health, and I do something about it. Your situation may stay the same, but your perspective will change. And so now you go, my perspective, I may not change this circumstance, but I can always, always control how I approach and respond to it. So a fearless mind perspective, it is biblical, it is joyful. Number three, it is intentional. We know that God has designed each of us on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose, and that he puts these kids in our home on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. And so I'm going to be just as intentional as I live my life with this gospel biblical perspective. Galatians 6, 4, and 5 says, pay careful attention to your own work. Pay attention to your own work. This is Paul saying, mind your own business. And then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. I'm responsible for my own conduct. You're responsible for yours. FYI, your kids are responsible for their own conduct. I do my best to raise up my kids to do their best, and then they go do it. And guess what? Sometimes they make mistakes, and that is not a reflection on me, right? That is their choice. I'm responsible for my own conduct. To be the most effective mom, I've got to separate my identity from my child and understand that part of this verse. We embrace, though, the responsibility to parent the kids we've been given, to live the life we've been given, to Play cards with the hand you've been dealt. So look at your cards. You may not have chosen all of them, and you go, but you know what? This is the hand I've got. 
I'm going to have an internal locus of control. I'm going to use my biblical, intentional, joyful perspective, and I'm going to tackle today with tenacity. It's all about that shift in perspective and being intentional. Some fearless mantras that we like to teach our kids, and in doing so, we teach ourselves as well. We say all the time, I cannot, con- I control what I can, and I'll make peace with what I cannot. I will control what I can, and I will make peace with what I cannot. There are some things, actually more than you realize, things that are in your control. And so you, you do what you can to control what you can and make peace with what you cannot. I cannot control others or my circumstances. Moms, you may need to write this on your mirror. I cannot control my children. It's something that maybe you want to go ahead and just practice saying all the time. I cannot control others or my circumstances, but I can always control how I approach and respond to them. And then the third one, and we believe in teaching our kids this, I am not a victim of my circumstances. And we believe the opposite of victim is chooser. I'm not a victim of my circumstances. I am a chooser within these circumstances. I will choose my perspective. I will choose to respond with a biblical perspective. I will choose to respond with a joyful perspective. I will choose to respond with an intentional perspective because I have an internal locus of control. And sometimes you have to say it like that. And finally, a fearless mom perspective is hopeful. Because of Jesus, we see hope in everything. Because of Jesus, there is always hope. Galatians 6, 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. We will reap a harvest of blessing in just the right time, which FYI may not be on your timetable, and it may not even be something you see in your lifetime. My responsibility, though, is to do my part, to embrace my responsibility, and I will give it all I've got. We say a fearless mom basically is a Navy SEAL because Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor, and um, his motto, he's a former Navy SEAL, and he, he has team never quit. And we're like, oh, we are team never quit, Marcus. We are with you. Moms, fearless moms are team never quit. I will not quit. There is nothing my child can do that'll make me stop loving them, nothing. I will not quit because I always have hope that God will use everything, even a pair of glasses that you keep up with for 45 years as a story on Mother's Day. You just never know. But we, we control what we can and let go of what we can't. And some things that we say in Fearless Mom, there are five things that you do to keep yourself healthy, mentally, physically, um, relationally, spiritually, financially. Eat and drink smart. Sleep as much as you can. Exercise regularly. Laugh often. Pray continually. We say it all the time. What, are you feeling out of control? Then tackle your top five. Eat and drink smart. Sleep as much as you can. And for those of you with newborns, sorry about that. It's just a phase. (laughs) Exercise regularly, laugh often, and pray continually. Here's the thing about adopting a fearless mom perspective, and I know this because I've taught it for years, and I lived it for years before I taught it. I can know all these scripture. I can know all the research and what all the science says, but I don't always feel it. I can know it in my head and not feel it in my heart. 
And when that happens, that's when my head and heart are not in alignment. I know that I'm not alone in that. Years ago, actually, it's probably about 30 years ago, Mac and I went on a deep sea fishing trip with my family. And my dad was so excited. He has three girls and everybody was married. So all of a sudden, every year we had a fishing trip and a hunting trip. And so we're all on the boat taking off and the weather was not great. And um, so obviously motion sickness set in for at least half of us, maybe, I just remember myself, sorry, and maybe my sisters too, but I know that I was feeling so sick. I was feeling so sick, and then we got out there, we fished, and then we came back in, we got sick again on the way back in. I mean, I just remember like leaning over the side of the boat to be sick, and like salt water spray in my face, which by the way, was not helpful at all. It was not helpful. But it's stuck in my mind, and I, I, I will never forget it. And this is what I know about motion sickness. Motion sickness happens when our inner ear tells us that we're moving, but our eyes tell us that we're staying still. You see, we were down in the cabin, or we were sitting like where we couldn't see out, and so our body felt us moving, but our eyes were saying, no, you're sitting still. And so I was getting mixed signals, which caused nausea, And it was not pretty. The same happens when we are sending mixed signals, the same confusion. If you think about it, the the uncertainty that we've all experienced in the last 15 months or so, you see, I know all the facts. I know that God uses all things to work together for good for those who believe in Him. I know that He can use every story for His glory and my good. I know that He can flip any situation to be used for the good of others and the good of myself. I know all that. It's just that I don't always feel all that, just like the motion sickness. Well, the cure for motion sickness, the remedy, it is to face forward in the direction that you're traveling and to put your eyes on something steady up ahead. The same exact thing happens when our head and our heart are not in alignment, when we're feeling that uncertainty and we're feeling the angst, the anxiety, the stress, same solution. I lift my head up, I face forward, and I put my eyes on what is certain, what is real and true, something that is steady. And you know what that is? Circle back to that biblical perspective. This is why in Fearless Mom, we believe in scripture memory. So when I'm not feeling it, my brain argues with my heart and I know what is real and true. That God is with me, that God is for me. I know that he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I know that he uses all things to work together for good. I know all that scripture. I know that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint, even when I don't feel it. And I remember, I'm not feeling a fearless perspective right now, but I can choose one because I know, I know that my God is for me. I know that my God is with me. I know that he is for you, that he is with you. And I know that his design, his desire is for you to live an abundant life, an overflowing life, a life full of hope and peace and joy. His desire is for you, like Paul, to have an encounter with him. 
And that encounter may not be as dramatic as falling on the road and Ananias touching your eyes, but it sure can make the same significant change in your perspective. And why do we need to be intentional about our perspective? Because perspective changes everything, even when nothing changes. And don't forget, perspective is a choice. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, God, for the gift of motherhood, for the responsibility that you've given all of us to empower and equip, to train and direct and correct the next generation. God, may we be examples of a fearless perspective. May we show by our lives that we trust you, that we believe you, that we know you. God, there are some folks listening, watching who have not yet changed the lens, have not yet seen through the gospel lens, who've not yet embraced a biblical perspective. Stir in them, pull them to you, God. We love you. We are grateful for you. We are grateful to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.